Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. I cannot tell you how excited I am to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is my father-in-law, Chad Johnson, and I have been looking forward to having this conversation with Chad for a really long time, and I don't want to prolong this introduction So I'm just going to read a quick bio, and then we're going to dive into the actual conversation. As I already mentioned, he's my father-in-law, but he's also married to Janice. I think they're going on, what is it, 28, he'll say 28, 29 years of marriage. They've got 11 children uh, in 2002 after a short career as a firefighter paramedic. And then as a financial advisor with UBS, Chad jumped back into the family business, which was a third generation business, where he then grew the business in in an immense way and managed a 95 person team. That's kind of when I came into the picture. That's what he was doing when I started dating his daughter. Since then, he has taken on marriage coaching, entrepreneurial coaching. He has taken his family on big time ski tours around the country. He has become an Ironman triathlete. He has gotten his private pilot's license and he has also earned the top position in the family as the number one ranked boggle player within our family circle, maybe even in the world. If you want to follow Chad in any way, which I recommend you do, you can find him on Instagram Really, I think the best place to find him, I'll link all this below, is the g5summit.com. You can join his mailing list there where he puts out a weekly email where you can be really up to date on what he's doing, the events he's putting on, where he's speaking, and so on. So again, wow, I said I didn't want to prolong the intro, and here we are still in the intro. So let's just jump in to today's episode. The Now That We're a Family Chad Johnson, I can't believe, uh, I feel like this has been such a long time coming on my end. I've been waiting with great anticipation to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, And so I'm blessed. It's crazy how, you know, it's just remarkable. I I don't want to go on and on and on because I already did an introduction about you and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Everybody does. Um, But how blessed I am to have you in my life on, on every level. You know, I think that sons and people that are new fathers asking for a Christian father-in-law is asking for a lot. But then to think of all the things that are near and dear to my heart and how you've greatly impacted them, I could really get emotional talking about it. So yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, sit here and Mm -hmm. do this podcast. You've obviously poured into my life beyond what I'll be able to probably comprehend or quantify in my life. But with all that said, Chad, can you just give a quick introduction to anybody that maybe doesn't know who you are? You know, Katie and I probably reference you in every episode, <laughs> but there still might be some people that haven't quite put the name to the face. And so can you introduce yourself and tell us what's happening in your life right now? Absolutely. And Elisha, hearing your piece of it, I just want to tell you as a father, seeing what you have done in your life, in your family, with your love for the Lord, your love for Katie what you guys are doing together to just touch lives. I was in Florida this last weekend and Elisha, a young lady that I've never met in my life said, can you tell Katie and Elisha, thank you Mm. for what they're doing. And, And I know that what you're doing here in this space, you know, it's reaching people and it's touching lives and it's giving them hope and it's pointing them to the Lord and it's pointing them to each other. And I just couldn't be more proud of you guys and grateful. Wow. So just very, very blessed to wow. be here with you. Thank such you. a such a cool thing. So I didn't answer your question. I said something else, but <laughs> I liked what you said. So. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, I, I tell you, Denise, as you know, I I have uh, you know kind of five things that I prioritize my life around, mm. um, and I call them my giant five. Mm-hmm. And the first is my relationship with the Lord that mm. I know you share. So real, this realization that if I'm not in Christ and if he's not working through me, then what am I to everything else in my life? And so that's first and foremost. And next is marriage, you know, and Janice and I have just, it's so fun. This last weekend was Valentine's weekend and it was really a 30 year anniversary of when we kind of started dating this last weekend. And so we're, we're coming into 29 years of marriage in August, but 28 and a half actually married. And God has just done a work there that I am so grateful for Mm -hmm. in spite of what people are going to hear today about all that the Lord has done in my life and the things that I brought into our marriage. Mm -hmm. God's grace has been there and Janice's love has been so consistent. And today we are just blessed in that. And he gave us 
I told you we loved each other, and he gave us, as you know, you know so well, eleven children. Mm. You married number one, yes, the oldest, uh, and uh, you know, Katie, uh, the oldest of eight daughters and three sons, and and so they are all now growing up, and we have three of those daughters are now married, which is hard to believe, mm. um, and our seventh grandbaby's on the way. Wow. You contributed more than half, Elijah. Yes, more than half. We're doing already. our fair share. You were carrying more than your weight. Um, so we're just so excited. Austin and Caroline, who just got married in October, are now expecting yeah. theirs. So we're just rejoicing in, in what the Lord is doing. Um, I say that to say the fourth one for me is health, taking care of physical and, and mental well-being and just being strong in the Lord, realizing that life, business, marriage, family, ministry, it's all an energy game. Hmm. And so stewarding that as a fourth priority is important to the other three to, to me. And then fifth is just this emphasis on using your God-given gifts, unique abilities, talents in the calling the Lord has you in. If that's in the marketplace, if it's in business, if it's working career, that's where you apply that skill, that talent. Um, if you're in ministry, that's where that shows up to me. So those things come in fifth, hmm. you know, and, and I say that I love all of these five things because it brings a prioritization, a structure to doing, I feel like, our very best at what the Lord's called us to do. And in my work, I get to do business coaching hmm. uh, now with an organization called Strategic Coach and just love seeing people, you know, scale, self-managing, self-multiplying companies that allow them to have time freedom, to invest in the things the Lord's called them to even outside of that. And then our most recent, you know, adventure really has been Janice and I launching something we call G5 Summit which is really pouring into people who've maybe allowed their business to become their number one priority hmm. and say, hey, you know what? Let's flip that success upside down and put these things in order. You know, is the Lord really first? You know, Matthew 6, 33, is our marriage a priority? Is our parenting, is our health? Then let those other things be hmm. added. So that's what I'm up to now. And it's just a blessing to be in that space and have the opportunity to do what I think the Lord's called me to do. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, I, I was just saying before we pressed record, there are, there are I feel like, countless topics that you could bring so much value to in an hour conversation or however much time we have here. Um, you, you mentioned marriage. You mentioned business. You've spent, you know, you have had your own successful businesses, and then you've gone into coaching entrepreneurs. Um, but something that's probably had the most profound impact on my life the, the profound, most profound message I've heard from you is, uh, you know, a message that you've provi that you've shared a few times in a few different situations around kind of your testimony, really, yeah. you know, is probably a way to put it, or maybe you coming to a, a more, a deep and broad understanding of, of the gospel message. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so I don't know if you just want to jump into that and kind of <laughs> share with that, share, share with us what that is. I, I am, I'm, I, Elisha, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share what the Lord has done for me. And, you know, as we talk about priorities, if I'm not right with him, if I'm not in a place where I need to be with the Lord Jesus Christ as him truly Lord and Savior, if I'm not walking in his grace, in his power, in his strength, I of all men, you know, I can identify with Paul so quickly that I'm the weakest of all men. Mm -hmm. And yet he says in his scripture so clearly in, in Corinthians how his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I didn't understand that power, Elisha, until I was 34 years old. Mm. And that's so bizarre for me to even say that because I grew up with the best Christian godly parents. You know my mother and my father, Brunel and Paula Johnson, and, and you know their heart for the Lord. You know that the Word was a part of my upbringing, and I was around good fellowship. I was, But it, it with all of that, in a great home, pulled out at seventh grade to be homeschooled, I was in a loving Christian, Bible-centered, grounded family. Hmm. And yet I came to my own need of a Savior at probably five or six in a, yes, I hear the truth of the gospel. I don't want to go to hell, kind of mm -hmm. a fire escape mm -hmm. prayer as a young man that meant every word of it. Yes, And then seeing God be faithful in those early years. But then 15 years old, I came face to face with my own ability to overcome sin in the mm -hmm. sense that for the first time in my life, I was exposed to pornography. And I, it was devastating to me in the sense that I realized so quickly my powerlessness. Hmm. And I, this wasn't a hidden thing when I was exposed to it in a sense, you know, I wish I could say, oh, I just shut the door on that, walked away, believed God's promises, had this beautiful, fruitful overcoming. It wasn't that. It was, 
I literally went back and exposed, you know, I, I looked again before I left the situation. Mm. And it began something to me, Elisha, that was a this wrestling that Paul talks about in Romans 7, right? And every Christian, I think, knows those verses where it says, hey, that thing I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. And the thing I really want to do, I'm not doing it. Mm. And, and I set out on a mission. I really did. At that young age, I, I, I went to my parents. I said, look, this is my situation. James says, if we confess our faults one to another, we can be healed. Hmm. And I said, I'm not going to have this be my secret. It's not going to be this thing that I hide. And so I went and shared that with them. And they it was very open. They prayed for me and they you know, said, hey, you know what? Sin brings death in all of us. And and we're in a sinful, fallen world, and and everybody's tempted and tested and tried, and and yet God is faithful, and and we're going to pray for you, we're going to encourage you, and I set, like I said, on this mission to find freedom because it seemed, Elisha, that there was this pattern of every few months. It didn't matter; it was three months, five months, six months. I would fall fat on my face, and hmm. Satan seemed to know. You know, he's he's a great deceiver. He's He's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to find that thing in our life where he says, "Hey, here's my here's my you know my my opportunity." Mm. And he knew with me what it was. And when I was fire, tired, when I was stressed, when I was overwhelmed, when I was I had a lot of a you know I'm gonna say um, I like to say I had brain damage a lot growing up because I would just I would beat myself up. I would play records in my own mind of of things where I wasn't doing right, and Satan would know that right opportunity too to come in and he would present something to me and I would fall. Hmm. And it was devastating because I so wanted to walk as the Lord wanted me to walk. Hmm. I knew scripture said, hey, you know what? Physical relationship with a woman is a beautiful thing in marriage. It's godly, it's pure, it's beautiful. I designed it. And outside of that, any version, perversion, whatever is not of me. Hmm. And to lust on a woman is, is to commit adultery in your heart. So I, I knew there was this call to a higher purity standard mm. than I was walking in my own strength, right? And so I did what I knew to do. I had said, okay, I'm going to be open and confess my sins to others. I started going, okay, I need to memorize scripture. Someone said, memorize Romans 6. So I'm going to memorize Romans 6, right? Memorize Romans 8, these verses in Romans 8. Memorize, you know, this. Okay, Psalm 119.9 says, like, where have I hid my heart? Or 11, that I might not sin against thee. I'm like, that's it. That's what I need, right? So I memorized a ton, and yet I would fall, hmm. right? And I'm sitting here going, okay, Scripture says to pray. So I prayed, and I was begging. I would plead. I was in those moments of my testing or trial. I was literally, God, save me, help me. And Elisha, at the moment, I didn't realize it was a prayer of unbelief. Hmm. It was a prayer of unbelief. Wow. I mean, that statement right there is so huge. And I don't know what believer cannot relate to experiencing a, a besetting sin, yeah. you know, something yeah. that is reoccurring and it's damaging. I mean, we, we talk about the sin that's it's harmful to our own body. That's what the Bible talks yeah. about it too, you know, yeah. a sexual sin like that. And it's harmful to our identity. And it it's a, the type of sin that disrupts what seems like any other spiritual sin progress yeah, or for sure or fruit yeah. in your life. The ability yeah. to walk in confidence. Put you on the sideline. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. what Christian man can walk in spiritual confidence and lead his home <laughs> right. that's wallowing yeah. or or feeling defeated by that sin. That's right. Um Amen. And like you said, that prayer, which is also common, is a prayer of unbelief and it's a prayer of defeat. And, yeah. and it's it's stating the quite opposite of what Christ has done. That was, that's what it was. And yet, you know, my sincerity was there. I was in earnest. I, w I was so sincerely wanting deliverance and freedom in God's power, and I'm crying out for it. And some would say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I go on to say, you know, the Lord at that time, I'm sitting here going, I want to know his word. Okay, I got I to gotta memorize the scripture. I got to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast because I'm not seeing deliverance. So I fast for a day. Well, I need to fast longer. I'm going to fast for three days. You know, oh, I'm going to fast for seven days. You know, and I'm going, surely something is going to break this. You know, I'm going to find a way. And then people are like, well, do you have accountability? You know, so, yes. wow, surround yourself with believers. Iron sharpens iron. I knew this. You know, okay, yes, I did. I get around, you know, on Monday mornings, we're getting with the guys and, hey, have you failed in any way? Have you looked, you know, yes or no or whatever? And 
but it didn't deliver me. Oh, mm. I should not. One of these things was bringing deliverance, and I was going. But Lord, I. But Lord, I'm fa- praying. I'm fasting. I'm memorizing scripture. I'm. My heart. I. Is sincere. I'm pr- crying out to you for deliverance. I have accountability in my life. Wow. I'm reading every book on the subject. You know, every man's battle. I mean, yeah. you name it, all the books, because yeah. everybody's writing books. And some of those books were almost more discouraging in a sense. Wow. I was just like, man, I'm piling on these things of things I need to do. I'm doing them with all my heart, and yet I'm falling so short. And Elisha, if you heard one thing, you heard me say, I, 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 I. I didn't realize at the time how much I had believed God for my justification, right? A theological term that says, hey, my faith in Christ is receiving his grace and his sacrifice on the cross is covering my sin. So I know I've been made right in his eyes. And if I come before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to look at me and say, Chad, you're holy. You're yes. forgiven. And I got that. Hmm. And I had 100% faith in that. And I had no trouble believing that day by day, moment by moment. It was like, I know I was his. I'm his. I'm secure in that. He's done the work. How much did I do? None. How much did he do? All of it. I'm like, I got that. Wow. But when it came to my daily walk and sanctification or walking out in his power, I realized now, looking back, right? Up till that point, I had put the emphasis on I with God's help. Wow. Okay? And that's subtle. Right. And I think that it could be very easy to kind of go there for believers. It's like I with God's help. You know, and and I literally would leave on a business trip, you know, I'm married to Janice and we have a young family, and she knew my struggle. I will say this, Elisha, all through this journey, right? Um, it, and and I really probably should give a, a quick little catch up on the backstory. Sure. 15 years old, exposed to this pattern of my life for probably three and a half, four, no more like almost five years mm-hmm. of a pattern of three, six months, whatever, going, walking in grace, strength, whatever, falling, mm. going, Lord, devastating. Meet Janice, wanted so much to walk in purity, right? And I'm yes. just going, hey, scripture says it's better to marry than to burn. Maybe I have this God-given natural desire. He's going to fulfill it in marriage. I know I want to be right before God and before my wife yes. to be, and she's a worthy prize, and I so want to be this. So I had this period of time where I saw overcoming happen. Right. And I'm going, my hope went from my praying, my fasting, my memorization, why this, to I now have my wife. Right. She is now my savior. <laughs> and I didn't realize at the time I was putting that on her. Yeah. But I was, and and it worked for a period of time. Right. I was like, I was right. finding this deliverance, this freedom, and I was very clear in our upfront in our relationship that hey, this was my struggle, this is my past, but I'm seeing this overcoming. I'm yeah. so grateful. Pray for me, but God is good. This is what's going on. We get married a year into our marriage, still loving the wife of my youth. I'm mm-hmm. just going, man, God is good. God is good. A year and a half into our marriage, I'm now starting a career in the fire service. Long story short, Elisha, working late, two up. 48 hours, tired, get to reach under the cabinet to get some toilet paper. And there it is, a stack of filth, and I fell. And I'm wallowing. And that day, it hit me like in such a different way because mm. all of a sudden I'm like, okay, here I am. I've got this wife that I so want to walk with in purity and be a head, a spiritual head, a covering. Scripture talks a lot about these things. I so want to be who she needs me. I want to be who I am before God. I want to be this for my daughter who... Man, I think I, I think Katie may have even been born at that point. She was. She was born at that point. And I sat there and I I got I left the fire station as a firefighter paramedic and I drove the opposite way from home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I don't want to face Janice. I cannot look her in the eye. She called me up. Chad, are you okay? What's going on? Why aren't you home? And I said, I don't think I can come home. And she's like, Are you kidding me? What is going on? I tell her my my situation. She says, Chad. God's forgiven you. I've forgiven you. Come home. And I realized, again, God's grace through Janice. But I brought something into our home at that day that I sat there and said, I looked her in the eye and I said, this is never going to happen again. Hmm. I wanted so desperately and I believed it. I was like, this is never going to happen again. This is not what I want. This is not us. This is so far from my... And I, again, I wish today I could sit there and look you and you know your audience and I'd say, God just gave me this 
awareness. I walked in grace and our marriage has just been blessed ever since. But I didn't. I was at that time 25 years old. And from 25 to 29 years old, no, sorry, not 29, to 34, nine years, nine years. Yeah. Nine years. From 25 to 20 to 34, a nine-year period, it was this pattern of victory and failure, of struggle, defeat, of overcoming seemingly and then only to fall. And I literally, at 33 years old, remember Elisha being on a bridge in L.A., and I'm ready to jump, Elisha. Satan had so convinced me that I was unable to ever find victory, hmm. that I am not able. I have done everything there is to do. I've tried every process, method, discipline, focus, spiritual behavior, act, whatever. I was, I was so all in, and this was all encompassing my desire for freedom, and yet I was not free. And Janice called me at that moment and says, Chad, what's going on? She goes, you're not doing well. You're, I said, how did you know? Same thing. And she says, you got to come home. And I went home with no hope. Mm -hmm. I went home with no hope saying, okay, I felt like I'm bringing death into my marriage. I'm bringing death into my family. Elisha, there was one point earlier on, a couple years earlier, where Janice had called me and I was working late. And she had said, I was, I was in uh, Colorado Springs, so I was probably 31 years old, three years earlier. She called me and said, Chad, are you doing okay? I said, no, I'm not. I go, how do you know? Why do you call me right now? Mm -hmm. And she says, Chad, your daughter came into my room and said, Mama, would you pray for me? I'm having bad images of naked people come before my eyes. Mm. This, we, Scripture so clearly says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm. but against spiritual wickedness in high places, right? Principality and powers, things that we don't see. And I realized in that moment that my sin, and I knew my sin was not just my sin alone. It impacted me, boy, like you said, does it undermine your confidence as a man? Does it destroy? Yes. But it impacts my marriage mm. because I'm not going to keep, even if you're keeping it hidden from your marriage, it's impacting your marriage mm. in a huge way. If you're telling your spouse as you should be open, communicating with your struggles, whatever, it's bringing death to your marriage and hurt to your spouse, but then you're at least fighting it together, which mm -hmm. I am such an advocate for. But at the same time, it's bringing death to your children. Mm -hmm. It's bringing this spiritual opening for wickedness to happen to your kids' hearts and minds. And I sit there and go, if any of us as men think we're somehow, oh, this is my deal, wow. or it just impacted me and my wife, or it's just, no, it impacts not only you, your wife, your kids, but everyone you work for and with, and, and the, the, your brothers, your sisters, I'm convinced our sin has such ripple effects. But in that moment, there on the bridge, coming home, I came home without hope, and I was despairing. I was so depressed. I was like, God, I Romans 7 isn't even me. I am like beyond Romans 7. If there's a Roman yeah. other chapter, 7.10, yeah, yeah. that is just messed up, mm. it's me. And I don't know a way out, right? It was about that time, Elisha, and I don't understand God's timing and things. I sit there and go, man, Lord, why'd you let me struggle for nine years? Mm. But I have to believe he is sovereign and he knows what's best. And, and he wasn't choosing me to struggle, but I struggled. And yet at 33, almost 34 years old, he brought a study into my life that said, hey, wait. And the study was basically promising in a sense that there could be freedom. And yeah. I'm like, freedom? Overcoming? I don't think so. Yeah. I know all the verses. I've read all the books. Yeah. But I did the study. And I started going through the scriptures. And I started reading the Bible that I'd been reading and memorizing with new eyes. And my eyes started to be, I think, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 talks about the eyes of our heart being enlightened. Mm and eyes of our understanding yes. being enlightened, and God giving us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. Mm. And then verse 19, He talks about, so that we could see His power at work in our lives. Wow. And all of a sudden, I started to read scriptures with just unbelievable anticipation because I started to see a glimmer of something I hadn't understood. Elisha, how do we come to faith in Christ? I mean, a relation, salvation. Yeah, faith. It's yeah. what? It's faith, faith alone, yeah. right? Is it? It's nothing we do. 
in Colossians 2, 6, he says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk ye in him. How did I come to faith in Christ? Was it my effort? Did I meet him halfway? He met me halfway? No, he came and did it all. And all of a sudden, this teaching started really with kind of some anchor verses in uh in Second Peter, and I'd love to read those few yes. verses real quick if I Absolutely. could, Alicia, because they're so <clears throat> transformative and they're so life-giving. And they say this, he says, basically, Elisha, all of a sudden I realized for the first time in my life, I'd been trying to formulate my way, trying to discipline my way, hmm. trying to... Um, it's funny, but I also use the word in Second Philippians. It talk, Second Philippians in Philippians two, yeah. uh, thirteen. He talks about work out your own salvation yeah. with fear and trembling. That had been my model, and it's interesting because I still think that's scripture. Sure. But he goes on to clarify so quickly right behind it: yeah. for it is God that worketh in you both yeah. to will wow. and to do of His good pleasure. So both. It's God that's going to do this. He's going to give you the desire and the ability wow. to do this. So all of a sudden, I, I started realizing, boy, I have been really focused on me. I've been focused on horizontal, on, on me trying to overcome and me to put my flesh under or crucify myself or die daily or these things that we hear in kind of Christianese that I really came come to believe in Scripture, God had already done. Yes, And so all of a sudden... I realized in this verses that he was saying, I needed to know the Lord better, wow. that I needed to know him, that I really needed to know who he was, what he said, what he had promised, what he'd given me and what he had done to deliver me and why he died to save me, not just for eternity, but for today yes. and what that looked like. And so all of a sudden, as you read this, you know, he says, Simon Peter, to those who have attained like precious faith, today, Elijah, my faith is the most precious thing I have. I have nothing without my faith. I have no victory without my faith. I have no confidence without my faith. I have no freedom without my faith. I have no ability to love my wife as Christ of the church without my faith in God and in Jesus Christ. He says, it's precious to us. Why? Because it's through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I knew my righteousness wasn't working. Mm. I've been trying to fix my righteousness for a long time. He says, no, it's not going to be. He goes, grace and peace is multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. I'm like, okay, so God, you need to really be the one I'm focusing on. You, Your word, not just memorizing scripture as a formula to get me out of jail free or think it's some formula that I'm going to somehow have this, but instead know you so that I could put my hope in you and my confidence in you and never be disappointed. Wow. And so he said in here, according in verse three, is his divine power. The second I saw divine power, I was like, I know Chad power. Yeah. Chad powers, you know Chad power. You've been around me long enough, Elijah. I am powerless. It's not as good as divine power. It's not as good as divine yeah, power. It's, it's it's total powerlessness. It is absolute weakness. And and I had proven that for 33 years of my life that I don't have this power, and yet I needed divine power. He says, divine power has given unto us. That resonated with me because I had seen the gift of salvation for my eternity. I knew it was a gift. All of a sudden, he was saying, Chad, it is a gift, but so is the power to overcome daily. And I was like, wait, you gave me this? You give me the power to overcome by your spirit? That's a gift? Wait, that's new. So he says, given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And I'm going, I know the opposite of godliness. I've proven that. I want godliness, and it's going to be something he gave me that applies to every area of my life. That means this struggle that I have. And I know, Elisha, some people's struggle isn't what my struggle is. Some people, it may be alcoholism. It may be anxiety. It may be worry or fear. It may be doubt. It may be unbelief. It may be, you know, you fill in the blank, right, of any kind. It may be some sort of substance abuse. It may be any kind of thing. But he's saying, no, I've given this power to you to overcome all these things. And he says, how? I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Hmm. And he pointed again in the three times and three verses that it's going to be through knowing him, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. God wanted to glorify, glorify himself through weak Chad, pathetic Chad, Chad that was a slave to sin. Hmm. He came to be glorified in that. And I said, and to bring virtue 
to bring all this godly virtue in it. Verse four, he goes on, whereby are given unto us. He's beaten it here, Elisha. He's like, didn't get it in verse three. It's given unto you. Here he's going, verse four, it's a given unto you, unto us, exceeding great. I love that redundant yes. piling on, right? <laughs> it, he could have said great, yeah. but he's like, no, these are beyond great. Why? Because they transform our life. Hmm. Exceeding great and precious promises. So God's living word, he's given it to us. Why? That by these promises, we might be partakers of his divine nature. He's talking again about that we, through knowing him, will be a partaker in his spirit, dwelling in us and living in and through us. And it says why? His, that you might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through, and he used that very word that I was struggling wow. with, through lust. Wow. And he says, this is deliverance. And when I saw those four verses laid out, things started to click. It wasn't immediate, Elisha. It took some time to kind of start, I think, the Lord renewing my mind according to this new truth. For me, it wasn't new truth. It was my understanding of, hey, he came and did something in me that I haven't been believing him for. And the thing he came to do, Elisha, what do you do with a guy who will not stop killing people. What do we do in our country even to this day? I mean, yeah, what do you do? You, you put them to death. Right? There's yeah. a penalty. Yeah, maybe it's life in prison, but many places, they'll put them to death. Yeah. It's called the death penalty. They get on death row. Why? Because they sit there and go, your body of flesh is beyond hope. Wow. And so yeah. the picture of Christ and the gospel started to come alive to me. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing things through this new lens that he said, where does... Where does sin reside? Well, I started looking at Romans 6, and he started to say, sin resides, Romans 7 talks, is warring in my members. Mm -hmm. Well, Elisha, what sins? Well, my hands sin. Mm -hmm. I can strike somebody. My tongue sin. I can speak lies or deceit or evil. My eyes sin. When I look upon things, I shouldn't. My my ears, my my feet, my, my sexual organs, my... It's my body that sins. If my body was dead on the ground here, would you be worried about me stealing something from your house or, no. or saying something mean, right? Nope. Not at all. You'd be yeah. like, hey, there's no threat of sin yes. happening there. And this beautiful awareness happened to me that Christ said in Galatians 2.20, right? It, I, I'm going to read it real quick. Yeah. You know it so well. Yeah, but let's, been crucified. I'm get it, yeah. Right? Yeah. Been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Mm. Wait a minute. This mystery of Christ in the gospel. I have been crucified with Christ. He says, Chad, you're not salvageable in the flesh. Wow. You're beyond repair. I had had a picture in my mind's eye, Elisha, of coming to faith in Christ. And I'm like this rusty old car. Dense, flat tire three cylinders, broken windshield, rusty. You're like, what a clunker, right? But Christ comes, and now I'm saved. And now I almost had this picture of over the next 30 years, he's going to start dinging out the dents. Hmm. He's going to put in Bondo. He's going to pump up a tire. He's going to replace a few valves. Over the years, he'll give me a new windshield. You know, 10 years in, I get a paint job. I mean, by the 15, 20, 30 years, whatever, it's going to be quite a vessel. It's going to be quite a vehicle. It's going to bring glory to God. He's going to go, look what I did with this. Hmm. And Elisha, you laugh because that model was not what I think he had in mind. I think you've seen those cars crushed down to nothing. They've been utterly smashed into piles of metal that are going to be recycled. And Elisha, that's the picture of what I believe Christ did with me 2,000 years ago when he says, hey, Romans 6, I was buried with him. Yes, I was crucified with Christ, but I was buried with him. And then he raised me again in newness of life that I wouldn't serve sin. Mm. And he came and he had mercy on me, said, Chad, you're beyond hope. I'm going to put you to death and give you my life instead. So instead of that car being something fixed up, he literally crushed it, took it away, brings up a brand new Bentley or, or gorgeous whatever car, sure. Tesla you want to drive, mm -hmm. or a nice Ford Explorer, yep. right? Those are really nice. Really nice. And, and he said, get in and drive. And I'm like but I didn't earn it. I don't, I, he's like, it's a gift. Wow. I've given it to you. Drive. It has power. It is, it's my 
power. It has everything you need. Wow. It's be in me. Right? Wow. That's so profound. You know, it's crazy just backing up a little bit. You know, you were talking about early on, it was it was easy for you to understand and to believe and receive yes. the, that justification could only come by the work that he did. We knew legally, it's like that whole legal, it's, right. like it's legal language, you right. know, saying like, no, legally I'm busted. Yes. He's justifying me. I'm going to believe that. But maybe it's, maybe it's human nature to think, but I think that I can probably contribute to making myself behave better here on this earth, you Absolutely. know, with that sanctification Absolutely. piece. And so we turn to the things like the accountability groups, the Bible memory. And, and again, are you an advocate of those things? Absolutely. None of these things They're are wrong. They're great Not things one of these for things. the edifying of the body, yes. for growing in your faith, for yes. maturity. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Do they deliver you from sin? I don't believe, I know they didn't me. Well, because right? we know who did deliver That's us right. from sin. Amen. Because we actually know what the right answer is Amen. to that one. There's That's one exactly answer right. to that. That's it. And it is, it is so cool to see that, Yes, he accomplished our justification yes. and made us right positionally yes. before God. Yes. But he also made us so that we can walk practically in a way yes. that's not in bondage to sin. Amen. No longer servants to Amen. sin. And that's the language that the Bible uses. Absolutely. It doesn't tell it doesn't tell us to go crucify ourselves. It no. says you have been crucified with Amen. Christ. It doesn't tell us Past to go tense. bury ourselves. That's right. And to rise again. It says you have been buried that's right. with Christ. Amen. Well. Amen. Right. So it's just the the greatness of that news and the interesting way God used that to do Romans 12 to work in my mind, right? To renew my mind, that we're not conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing our mind according to his truth and starting to see things the way he sees things or the way he has said them to be. So when he says, it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. And this is, again, people are like, well, Chad, you don't have a physical body. Come on. This is the mystery of the gospel hmm. that Romans 1 talks about, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yes. It's a mystery. It is bizarre because you sit there and go, he's given me a physical body. Yes, I know that sin resides in my body, but he says he's put it to death and he's given me his new life and I get to write, to walk in that. Yes. First Corinthians 5.17, right? Talks about if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away dead. Mm -hmm. All things, behold, all things have become new. There's this beautiful picture that he wants us to walk in newness of life. Elisha, there's some biblical myths that I had been dwelling on for 33 years of my life. Mm. One is a dual nature, a two natures, a lot of study Bibles, a lot of things, a terminology talks about the old nature and the new nature. And mm. I am today convinced that is a biblical myth that's keeping a lot of people in bondage mm. because it's almost like that circle of yin and yang, yeah. right? There's a mm. lot of people that believe in black and white, good and evil, mm. uh, strong. But, and, and I heard sermons up to this point in my life at 33 of, hey, you have a white dog and a black dog. They're going to fight on Friday. It's Monday. Who's going to win the fight? And it's like, well... The dog you feed the most. That's right. Where did they put the emphasis on for me as a believer? I got to start feeding the white dog. Yes. And if I feed the white dog enough, enough prayer, enough fast, spiritual discipline, whatever, something, then I somehow will empower that white dog to overcome the black dog. Yes. That's not what scripture says. Mm. Two natures is not who we are. I don't see myself as a dual nature person. I see myself as what scripture says, Colossians 3, Seek ye for, if ye then be risen with Christ, right? Seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead yeah. and your life is hid with Christ in God. You go down a few verses, nine and 10, and he says, you have put off the old man mm. with his deeds and have put on the new man. You're renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He talks about the old man and the new man. That's what I believe in. And the old man, according to him, is dead. Hmm. And we are now in the new man, and the new man is alive. And Romans 8, boy, what a passage. Juicy, right? Talks about there's no, yes. not, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because we live not in the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He goes down a few more verses, and he talks about that we're not in the flesh anymore, that we're of the Spirit. So he says in this beautiful way, Elisha, that... If we wake up every day trying to feed a white dog, trying to, to feed a new nature so that it overcomes an old nature, we're believing, we're disbelieving what he says about what mm. he's done. And so all of a sudden, this, this freedom to say, hey, I, I, I literally 
can't tell you how many times I praise the Lord that I'm dead hmm. and that I'm alive in him and that he took my life and he gave me his instead. You know, Janice used to pray for me. And when I would go like travel, she would, I would say, pray that I will be strong. I realize now that's not the right prayer. Hmm. It sounds good. It sounds right. Someone would say, well, why wouldn't you pray that you will be strong? And, and, and it's not about me being strong. Hmm. I say, Janice, pray that I'll realize that I'm perfectly weak and that Christ in me is perfectly strong. Mm -hmm. And my focus will be on him and his strength because in his strength, I'm made perfect yes. and it's made perfect. So, so there's this picture of me walking in what he says and believing those exceeding great and precious promises. And so, Elisha, as I look at this, these words, these myths, Christianese, all this terminology started to change for me to believing, okay, Lord, you put me to death. Now I get to walk in newness of life. I'm going to believe you for these things. And again, I am not reading all those verses, but people know, I mean, Romans 6, read those first yes. 15 verses and see if this doesn't resonate with your spirit, that God is saying, hey, I did something here that's yes. supernatural. It's spiritual. People aren't going to understand it, but it's what I've done. Hmm. And, and it's so you can indeed not be a slave to sin, yes. but you can live in the Spirit and you can live in victory in Christ. Yes. It's what it is. It is. I mean, I think we are so prone to infusing our own experience into what is true or what we say is true. Because, I mean, we know that we can't experience getting justified. So we it's easy for us to say, okay, yes. that's taken care that's of. It's got to be done by him. But we think we can experience walking yes. in freedom on our own power. And we also know that, well, no, look what I did. Look what I said to my wife yesterday. Look what I looked at oh, last absolutely, week. Right? So that's clearly the bad dog. That's, that's right. clearly the white dog. So that's what's going to be what determines what I believe and, and what the word says versus letting the word yes. be what's true yes. and then having that transform our experience. Yeah. It, it, isn't that what Paul said, let the word be true, every man a liar, right? If we're believing our circumstances, boy, can I identify with <clears throat> anybody who's hearing me and going, but, because boy, in, the, in my experience, I can identify. I'm sitting here hearing these truths and I'm going, but that's not my, that hasn't been in my experience. And I'm going, am I going to believe my experience or am I going to believe God's word? Hmm. Because if I'm believing him and believing what he says, and, and what's crazy is, Elisha, the transformation that started in me. By faith, well, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. According to his mercy, he saves us. I don't believe he just saves me for eternity. I believe he's in the saving business right now. Mm -hmm. Now, you know me far enough so well that I've had to call up and apologize to you and your my daughter, Katie, in areas where I've sinned, right? Or fallen short or offended or done the wrong sure, thing. Sure, you don't right? claim like, to be walking so in total, I want, yes, a perfect, yes. resurrected body. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get some yes. false impressions. I'm sitting there going, oh, wow, you believe God's promises and you're not going to see sin show up in your life. What I am saying is, he does not have us be enslaved as a repetitive pattern of sin in this never-ending, never-overcoming or pattern of failure. Hmm. To me, that's slavery. Yes. You know, and I believe he did come to set us free from all those besetting sins, whatever those big ones are, and pick the biggest ones or the yeah. ones that you seem to be unaware, I mean, unable to get away from. Yes. I believe he came to break those chains and to, to let us walk in that newness of life. And yes, you're going to see areas where all of a sudden your people are going to say, hey, did you realize what you just did? And you're going to go, Lord, I'm so sorry. He has grace, and his, mm -hmm. we're walking in his grace and his forgiveness daily. But I say all that to say, Elisha, I realized, and I said early on, my prayers of unbelief. I want to address that real quick. Yes. Because what did I mean by that? I realized that if I'm a believer... I, I will take Leon and I say, man, if I took Leon and I stood him up, you know, there's a ledge by the top of that sign, uh, you know, now that I'm, we're a family. And I said, Leon, jump to Papa Johnson. I'll catch you. And he, he's standing up there and he's like, dude, you know, it's six feet. If I hit the concrete, it's not going to be fun. No way. No way. I'm not, I, you know, or, or he goes, you, got, you promise you've got me. You're going to say, say, save me. Get me down. Don't let me, don't let me fall. Give me, save me, you know, help me. You'd sit there and go, he has no faith in my strength. Mm -hmm. Or if it was you doing the same thing, he has no faith in my capability to deliver him mm. with confidence. His faith is not there. He's not. And yet my prayer was that. I was wow. on the ledge of temptation or trial, and I'm going, God, save me. Help me. Deliver me. Saying, please, do it. Come on. This. And yet at the same time, feeling in all my heart and knowing in my heart that I'm falling. Mm. And I'm failing. 
and going, what is going on here? I'm literally crying out to God of all creation and I'm falling flat on my face. And I realized as I looked at this, that scripture says, Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why is God so big on us thanking him? Because it's acknowledge- we have to acknowledge what he's done and That's who it. he is. That's it. When you're thanking, when I'm thanking someone, when I'm thanking, I'm literally acknowledging what they've done, mm. that they have indeed done mm. something for me. And if I'm praising him for his salvation and thanking him, I, Elisha, it's unbelievable the transformation in my prayer life. When I came up against the moment of decision, I realized all my eye had been on the enemy. Mm. It had been horizontal on my hopefully trying to summon some sort of power, will, discipline, focus, spiritual something to overcome and the enemy and how it's coming at me. And I'm crying out to God, but I'm really focused here. When all of a sudden scripture says, enter into his gates, I picture this castle, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. The old Psalm says, guess what? I picture him as this, you've been to Europe or seen those pictures Mm -hmm. and they have moats, drawbridge, massive iron gates. This is in the day of bow and arrows, Mm. right? And, and, and whatever horses Mm -hmm. and, you're sitting there going, talk about a safe place. Yes. And his gates swing open when we start thanking him. Wow. His gates swing open to us. And I realized that I wasn't looking at the enemy. I wasn't looking at temptation or trial. I wasn't looking at myself. I was looking under the author and the finisher of the, my faith, the ones who sat before mm. me, the, the deliverer, the, the savior, the one who has all power that's given unto us. And when I look at to him and thank him, those gates swing open and I enter into his gates, which is drawing nigh to him. When we draw near yeah. to the Lord, what does sin have to do? Hmm. Sin can't be in the presence of almighty God. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there begging him to come to me. Hmm. But he says, oh, you who are weak and heavy laden, come to me, those who are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Hmm. I have to come to him. Why? By works? No. By faith, hmm. saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm dead and I'm alive in you, that you are the victor, that you're the overcomer, that you have given me new life in you, that your spirit is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all I can ask or imagine according to your power hmm. that works in me. I mean, all of a sudden, all his promises, those exceeding great and precious ones from 2 Peter 4, 1, 4, take us into his presence. He then says, now enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Hmm. There's an outer courtyard where the gates swing open. There's an inner area where he sits on his throne in righteousness. And Elijah, I get so excited. When I think of God Almighty, who's so pure, who's so holy, so righteous, so loving, so merciful, so gracious, that he died for me, hmm. and he is sitting on his throne in righteousness, sin cannot get near his presence. Hmm. It says in his presence is fullness of joy, Mm -hmm. and he is the one who is able, not me. And so by believing him and in the tested moment, thanking him and praising him, I'm coming into his that inner place where I am touched by his power. Hmm. By it's inevitable. I am this the 800 pounds of sin, of guilt, of shame, of of defense, of worry, of fear, of guilt. It flees, and in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And all of a sudden, I find freedom. And I remember so well, Elisha, driving through L.A., remembering the feeling of testing that I had experienced many times. And you know what I'm talking about. Every person who's ever experienced testing or temptation or trial realize that feeling where you're like, I'm not in a good place. I'm not where I need to be. I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't weigh my... I'm thinking. I feel like I'm going down a path or I'm heading to a place... And I remember feeling that so well and started to cry out, God, and go, God, thank you. Wow. Thank you that you've put me to death and I'm alive in you. Sin has no more dominion over me. I've been made a new creation. It's no longer I that live. It's you that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by your spirit. And if I'm in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I started saying all the things he says are true about me in him. And if any man be in Christ, I'm a new creation. Lord, thank you that I'm a new creation, that old things have passed away, all my old habits, all the brain damage I've done to my brain, all of it's gone. And I am 
in praising him, I, I literally felt that yoke of bondage, that feeling of impending doom flee. I just felt it fall away. And I began to see, I, I started weeping as I'm driving down the road and praising and thanking the Lord and had this time of communion with him that was unbelievable because I experienced his saving power in my time of need. The Lord says in his word, he's a strong tower. The righteous run to him, are safe. Timothy talks about flee useful lust. Well, where we're to flee to is into the presence of God yes, and into his gates and his courts and to be with him and to find his ministry for us there and his spirit ministers to us. And so all of a sudden, my paradigms started to shift about what God had done and what my part was in it. Hmm. And and so, Elijah, if there's one thing, God has done a work in every single one of us. As we have received him, we get to walk in him. We get to trust that when he said, we've been put to death and we've raised a newness of life, we get to believe him and say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. And we get to praise and thank him as we walk into it. And then he says in Romans 12, 2, that we need to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing our mind. Mm. And our renewing of our mind is knowing him. And it's knowing him by knowing, spending time in his word and praying. That's it. And not in a formulaic way of, I got to know enough verses to fight. No, it's not a formula. Wow. It's literally, I need to know him enough and, and, and have such a confidence in him and trust in him because of who he says he is and what he's done. And now I get my own experience, mm. right? Because now I get to see his faithfulness over these years of him delivering me so many, so many times. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get to be delivered because I'm still the guy in my physical body that is so weak. Mm. I, to this day, Elisha, used to think that people would become spiritually strong. Oh, he's a spiritual giant. I realize... The spiritual giant is just as weak in the flesh, but he's so in love and knows the Lord and knows his word and believes him so much that God is powerful through that hmm. weakness. Hmm. And so I don't think today after 14, 15, whatever, I don't know how many years since I was 34, whatever it is, I haven't done the math, but I'm 51 now. Yeah. To see him be my strength and my deliverer, and this brings every bit of the glory to God yes. because I'm no stronger. It's not Chad that's shiny, that's, right. that's good, that's ready to say, hey, do mm. this thing. I'm here to say, Chad's still this guy, but God chose to work and deliver. Wow. And so he's mighty to keep, Wow. right? Amen. And I think that that is the great truth <laughs> is that that is God gets the glory, not when we self-sabotage and we beat ourselves up no. and we say, oh, I'm... Well, what a wretched man I no, am. No. Man, fed the fed the black dog too much last week. I'm such a filthy sinner, which is such a common way for yes. Christians to talk. Yes, Thinking that we have to put ourselves down in order for people to know that we serve a good God no. versus believing no. what God said Amen. about us and Amen. saying that's actually how good he is. That's he took good. this yes. and he made me the, his righteousness, yes. you know, where I get a white walk in his freedom. Yes. You know, and I love that we're told time and time again in the Bible that we've been adopted. Yes. And I, and I try to picture, I've never adopted a child, obviously, but I try to picture adopting a child from the slums of wherever and yeah. I bring them into my home yeah and I would expect them to have a hard time getting accustomed to our way of life early on would that de deter from my love for them or whether yeah. or not they were mine of course not but over time it would actually probably frustrate me for if they're in my home for four years and they're saying no, I'm the worst. I don't deserve your love. Yeah. I need to yes. sleep on the floor like I did back in the streets. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. I'm the one that you yes. pulled out of the gutter. That's where I belong. I'm going to go to the back alley. I'm not sleeping in this bed you made for me. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to eat at the yeah. dining room table with you that you've brought this feast before me. Even though I you say you love me, I'm going to keep eating the junk yeah. in the back because I know that's who I am. Yeah. And you keep for year after year after year saying, yeah, no, I've been adopted, but it's not at all what I deserve or who I am. And so I'm going to keep... Yeah. living into this yes. thing that I've been, yes. rather than believing, no, I can feast yes. with the Father yes. here in his righteousness. I can partake in his great relationships that Amen. he's been able to establish. Amen. That brings more glory to God, Amen. just as it would bring more glory to a parent that Amen. adopts a child Amen. to say, man, look at this. Am I? Amen. Do I think that they're going to get all full of themselves because they're walking? No, they're, they like, they're my glory. They're Amen. my friend. That's right, Amen. where it came from. And you know what's so funny is we were talking about that young man up on the shelf, right, yes. if it's Leon. The most honoring thing a young man could That's do right. in that situation is go, Daddy, hmm. 
and jump. That's because right. Because I, I, he Amen. knows your strength. He knows your love. Mm-hmm. He knows your care. And the most loving thing I can do, honoring thing I can do, is throw myself at his care, at his feet, in faith, mm-hmm. saying, Daddy, you've got me. Lord, you've got me. Abba, Father, you've got me, right? And so in, in this, Elisha, and I know we're, we're wrapping up here, I just believe with all my heart that the power of God's word speaks to our immediate freedom. Hmm. I want people to believe that there is hope today immediately by faith that because I believe in second Peter verse five, he starts to change the conversation. The first four verses are about his supernatural power and faith. And then he says in verse five, now also go on and add to your faith. And he talks about character Character is not given to us. The ability to wake up early, brush your teeth, right. get to work on time, that doesn't happen by faith. You literally need to set an alarm and get mm. up. And so I used to confuse character with this work, supernatural work of God. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, that's important to keep separate. If you're a young man or a young woman, character is important. You're going to build it over the next 30 years of your life. You can build a lot in the next six months. You're gonna, I'm a different man of character and habits because of self-discipline and you know and working at building character in my yes. life of skills and whatever. But God's power is something else. It's supernatural. Wow. It's ours now, and we can literally look to Him in that moment and say, "Thank you, Lord." And and so I just want that to be clear because so I I think people could get confused like, "Oh, I get a." be lazy in my life and whatever and expect God to just deliver me from everything and say, yes, he'll deliver you from sin, but he is not going to make you have a great work ethic. Right. Okay. That, right. that, that doesn't, well, I faith. think that is so good to yeah. have that distinction of character or maybe even maturity. Yes. And other things. Yes. That's a different yes. thing. Absolutely. Those are than, different things. Then instantaneous. Yes. Forever freedom from sin. Just, yeah. That we get that in setting that slavery. Yes. Amen. Yes. Cause I've literally seen people who are um, and her testimonies of numerous individuals that I've been able to witness to and share Christ and others that have shared in prison, drug abuse. I mean, we're talking cocaine addicts that believe God mm. and saw a substance abuse. You're sitting there going, that didn't mean that they were immediately had character in all these other areas. It right. didn't mean they were ready to, you know, crush in all areas of their life. Yes. But so that's that's just important to me. That's so good. Okay. So good. All right. Good distinction. Well, thank you so much, Chad. Seriously, this is such a powerful message. It's the gospel it of God. The, could, yes. Can I give you two verses? Yes. One is Romans 118. We know it so well, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. It's God's power that makes the gospel easy to share for me. Yes. I have no trouble sharing. I used to struggle because I was like, I can give you a gospel for eternity, but the gospel I have for you right now is going to be really sad because if you're saved but wallowing in sin, who wants that? Hmm. It is so, and so that is the power of God unto salvation to those, and that's why we're not ashamed of a saving faith. And then that last verse you know, my, one of my favorites is in Jude, and it just says, now unto him who is able. I never forget, I am unable. I'm still unable, but he's so able. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. So it's like he's able to keep us now from falling and to present us faultless wow. before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There's no joy like walking in Christ's freedom. Hmm, no joy in having a clean conscience. Amen. There's no joy in not having uh, the, the devil accuse you and know he's being right or to, or to mm. walk in darkness. And so he says he's going to present us before his presence with, with, you know, of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now hmm. and forever. Yep. Amen. That, Amen. to me, sums up this beauty of justification, sanctification, God's work, and what he's done in us. Anyways. That's just, so good. I, oh, oh, thank you so much. That is so good. Thank you so much, Chad. Yeah, such a blessing. Um, I, I'm going to link as much stuff as I can for people to find you. You've got a book out right now talking in marriage, and, and, you, and you touch on this a little bit in your book, which is powerful. Yes. Um, you also have some events, a newlywed retreat. You've got some other marriage retreats. And so I just want to give people as many opportunities to hear from you. Is there any other place? Well, actually, no. Can I ask one more question? Yes, I'll of link course. it below. Yes. You put out an email. This is actually probably one of the best ways to yes. stay in touch with what yes, you, what you do. Because you put out 
out a weekly email I do. of encouragement, exhortation, yes. th things that you're doing and learning yes. in your life. Yes. And so I'll link that below okay. so that Fantastic. people can sign up for that. Or if, they, if, they, if they're just listening and they can't see the link, where do they go to? to get you know that? what? I'm working on my website, but yep. they can go to the website g5summit.com. Good. And it's literally the, 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 you know, the letter G, the number five. Uh, summit.com and there's a spot at the top where they can sign up for that email that event isn't going to be right for everybody i totally understand yeah um, it's kind of a, a unique thing we're doing but that's where they can get on the email list love it thank you oh thank you chad so much what, what a, a blessing treat. awesome thank Bless you, you.